Well, good morning. Happy Chinese New Year to you. Let's uh, let's have one more prayer for our brother Hamish, and then we'll uh, get into what the Lord would have us consider this morning from Isaiah chapter 55. So let's let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you um, are Lord of the whole earth. Lord, we thank you that the hairs of our heads are numbered. That you, by your Spirit, know all things. And Father, we thank you that you care deeply, much more deeply for Hamish than we could care for him. And so, we entrust him to your care this day. Father, we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus, that you would touch him physically. That you would give the doctors great discernment and wisdom in his care. And I pray that, Lord, he would be at peace in you as he's going through this ordeal. And Lord, we thank you that you are a redeemer, that you turn things that seem to be disruptions inside out and make them good things. And so we pray that uh, you would work good for Hamish and for Cindy and that she would be at peace. And Lord, we just ask that you would have your hand on this day and on our friend. Uh, Lord, we also pray that now as we turn to your word that you would focus us that you would help us to give you our attention and that you would speak to us the things that you want to say to us through your word. And we ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this is an interesting experience of uh, ministry that I haven't had uh, before where the host has to, to leave suddenly. It's uh, wonderful to be here with you in Vancouver. My wife and I have... Loved Vancouver for a long time. She actually served at Towers for about a year prior to coming to seminary where we met. And uh, we've been back to Vancouver many times, and and we love uh, this area and this city very, very much. But this is an interesting experience, suddenly, to have the person with whom we've been very close here for the last few days, and I've been working with him, suddenly be whisked away And now there is separation. In fact, we're going to have to work out how do we get to the next place. One of the brothers was sharing about uh, being willing to take us to the next church. And then there's a question of how we get back to the hotel and how we get to the the place after that. So all of a sudden in this uh, relationship that we have with with Hamish, uh, separation has come in suddenly and... It's an interesting experience to have your host suddenly have a distance between you and the host. Max Cato tells a story that also has to do with distance in a relationship. And he writes this about Maria, a mother, and her daughter, Christina. He says, the small house was simple but adequate. It consisted of one large room on a dusty street Its red-tiled roof was one of many in this poor neighborhood on the outskirts of the Brazilian village. It was a comfortable home. Maria and her daughter Christina had done what they could to add color to the gray walls and warmth to the hard dirt floor. An old calendar, a faded photograph of a relative, a wooden crucifix. The furnishings were modest, a pallet on either side of the room, a wash basin, a wood-burning stove. Maria's husband had died when Christina was very small, but the mother, refusing to remarry, decided that she would raise her daughter on her own. 
Her job as a maid afforded few luxuries, but it was reliable, and it provided them with food and with clothing. And now Christina was old enough to help out. Some said Christina got her independence from her mother. She was beautiful. She had long, dark hair, big, beautiful brown eyes. She made every man feel like a king just by being around her. She had many men who wanted to marry her. They lined up at her door, but she refused to marry them all because she had a dream of going to the big city. She wanted to move to another place and get away from this small village and go to where it would be exciting. Well, this horrified her mother. Her mother said, people don't know you there. And besides, what would you do for a living? Well, she knew what she would do or would have to do for a living, and that's why her heart broke when one morning she awoke and she found that Christina's pallet was empty. She knew exactly where her daughter had gone. She also knew what she must do to find her. So she went to the bus station, but on the way to the bus station, she stopped at a pharmacy and she bought pictures. She spent all she could on little black and white photos of herself. And she got on the bus and she went to Rio de Janeiro to find her daughter. Maria knew that Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter was too stubborn to give up, and she knew that the unthinkable probably had happened. So she began looking for Christina everywhere that had a reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes. At each place, hotels, nightclubs, bars, at each place she left her picture. Taped on a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner phone booth, and on the back of each photo, she wrote a note. It wasn't too long before the money and the pictures ran out and Maria had to go home. The weary mother wept as the bus began its long journey back to her small village. Now we're going to push the pause button on that story for a few moments, but I want you to think in light of this story, even in light of what's happened here this morning, about where you are in your relationship with God at this point. It may be that we have some here this morning who have a close, face-to-face, heart-to-heart relationship with God. You would say that right now your relationship with God is very good. God seems to be very close. Your relationship is strong and healthy. But it may be, for others of us who are here this morning, Distance has crept into our relationship with God. I know we are in a place of worship this morning. We're going through the motions of our religious practice, which is great. It's wonderful to be here. But if we were honest, probably there are some who are here this morning for whom distance has crept into your relationship with God. When you pray, it feels like your prayers don't get through the ceiling. And that sense of distance is somewhat disturbing to you. Now, in Isaiah's day, people had lost touch with God. A great distance had come in because of different things that they had going on in their lives. 
And what Isaiah 55 is, it is an invitation. It is at the heart of the biblical story of God inviting people back into intimacy with himself. And it is very, very relevant for us. Whether you have been dealing with distractions in your spiritual life or discouragement, or perhaps you've gone through a time of doubt or disorientation that has caused that distance to come in, well, this passage this morning speaks to us. And it calls to us to come back into that closeness, that intimacy with God. And better yet, it tells us how that can happen. How we can come back into that close relationship with God. So there are three points I want us to look at very briefly from this passage this morning. The first is the gap between us and God. The gap between us and God. Look at verses 8 and 9 of the passage again. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, the Hebrew word that is translated ways here could be used in uh, the Old Testament time to speak of a path or a road. So if I'm leaving the auditorium this morning and I'm going out this way, that word could be used in, in that fashion. But it also could be used figuratively of a pattern of life. So, for instance, in Genesis 18:19, we read, For I have chosen him so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. So the word could also be used of a pattern of life or a manner of life, and I think that is the use here. He also speaks of thoughts, and this word could be translated as your plans, your thoughts, your intents, uh, the things that you're intending to do in life. So what the passage is speaking to, God is saying to the people of Israel at this time, when I look at your patterns of life and the way you think about life, those patterns and your thoughts, your intentions in life are out of sync with the way that I want you to live and the way that you should be thinking. I uh, am going to be working this spring trying to get back in shape. I'm still recovering from holidays. Now, I don't know if uh, the Chinese New Year is this way. Do you eat a lot of food during the Chinese New Year? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I've been eating a lot of food for the past couple of months because of different holidays, and I'm going to need to get in shape. Well, one of the programs that I bought last year is called P90X. Some of you are familiar with P90X. It's universal. It's global. Uh, And what P90X is, it's an exercise program where you watch this guy. He's actually almost my age, but he looks like he's about 30. And you watch him on the screen, and he's doing these exercises, and he has these three really in-shape younger people behind him, and they're doing all of these moves. And you're supposed to do what they're doing on the screen. And so there's one move, for instance, where you're doing, you're doing boxing. And so I'm sitting there trying to do these, these boxing moves where you, he says punch, 
cross, hook, uppercut. And, and he starts getting faster, and you're doing these kind of moves. And all of a sudden they start, they say, I want you to kick forward. And so I'm supposed to kick like this. And then I, he says to kick backwards. And I'm thinking, my leg doesn't even do that anymore. I, and so as I'm trying to do these different kinds of moves and keep up with them on the screen, I am praying that my children will not walk in the room and see me. Because what I'm doing in my motions is very much out of sync with what the ideal is on the screen. Do you get the picture? Now, isn't it true in our relationship with God? At times, we get into patterns of life. We get into ways of thinking that are very much out of sync with God's ways and God's thoughts. And that's the point that Isaiah is making, that he is calling to the people of Israel at this time and calling to us through this passage of Scripture. For God giving the invitation and saying, you're in a place where you have gotten out of sync with my thoughts and my ways, and I am calling you back to my thoughts and my ways. He says, that his thoughts are different from ours. Your ways and your thoughts are not my ways and my thoughts. And they are distant from ours. Just as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We live in the country, in Tennessee, in the United States. Sometimes my kids will go out in the backyard because we live out in the, in, the, in the country and they will, with their friends, lie on their backs in the yard looking up at the heavens and the stars. And you know, when you do that, when you see the glory of God's heavens, the expanse of the heavens and the distance of the stars, you get a sense of your smallness, you get a sense of the distance between the heavens and the earth. So God's thoughts and his ways are distant from ours, and they are different from ours. But secondly, notice in the passage that God bridges the gap. God bridges that gap between us and him with his word. Look at verses 10 and 11. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now, Isaiah is using great agricultural image here. I just got back from Israel. I was in Israel two weeks ago. And in Israel, there are two seasons, basically. Uh, You have a a dry, warmer season, and then you have kind of a wet, rainy season. And in the rainy season, you have the earlier and the latter rains. Normally, a farmer will depend on the early rains to get the seeds germinated, and the latter rains will fill out the heads of the grain. But the image that Isaiah uses here is how rain and snow, when they fall down on the earth, they put things into motion. Think about a rainstorm, what a rainstorm does, especially after a long dry period. Now, you probably don't have long dry periods here in Vancouver. But in Tennessee this past year, 
we've been going through a drought. You know, that drought that's hitting the middle part of North America, we've experienced some of that. And there were times when our yard was crispy brown, when the leaves on the ends of trees were turning brown and the trees were starting to die. And we knew that we had to go out and and water that area of the yard very, very well. Because, if you think about it, when rain falls down on the earth, what it does is it puts things in motion. It, It brings about life and development. And so the image that he uses here is an image of saturation and germination and provision that happened because of the falling of rain down on the earth. That's the image. But what he's talking about here is the Word of God. The Word of God. In the conference this weekend, we talked about the fact that the number one predictor of whether or not a person is thriving spiritually is whether or not they are opening up their lives to the Word of God on a daily basis. Uh, Opening our lives to God's Word in such a way that we are listening, we're hearing Him speak to us, and the Word is falling down into our lives, and it is doing things, it's accomplishing things that are dynamic. And so the image that He uses here of the Word falling down, saturating our lives, setting things in motion is a very, very potent image. It says that God brings about good things. He he provides for us. He says, if my word falls down in your life, in other words, if you get into patterns where you're opening up your life to God's word, to listening to him about his ways and his thoughts, and the Spirit of God takes that word and begins to transform and change you, and your life begins to be adjusted according to God's thoughts and God's ways, then that is a good thing. In fact, the text says that my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty. The word is used elsewhere in the Old Testament uh, to speak of someone coming with empty hands. And so God says, if my word goes out from my mouth, It's going to accomplish things. It's not going to come back to me empty. Back in World War II, there was a German soldier, 18 years of age, named Carl Schlesier. And Carl was one of uh, these teenage German soldiers who was being sent to the front lines as Germany was beginning to lose the war. And they were sent out to stop the quick advance of the Americans into Germany. Carl started out in a battalion of 80 teenagers. By the time that a certain moment came, when they were in these trenches, the Americans were advancing, there were only 18 of these teenagers left in these trenches. And they were terrified. They knew that they were about to die. And suddenly one of Carl's colleagues raised up because of an eerie silence that had come across the battlefield and he just shot and he shot an empty farmhouse over across the way and then he went back down into the trench. And in the moments that followed, moments of silence, they looked up and suddenly they saw a lone American soldier walking across the field toward them. He obviously was unarmed. He was holding his arms out like this. 
And as he drew near the trench, they could see that he was an American Indian. He had the features of an Indian. And he walked up, made himself vulnerable, and walked right up to the trenches. And he simply said to these young German soldiers, Come on out. Come on out. They threw down their helmets and their weapons. He turned around and he led them from certain death into life. God comes after us with his word. God comes to get us in our patterns of life and our patterns of thinking that are destructive to us. And God bridges the gap that comes between us and Him because of our sinfulness. And He bridges the gap with His Word. He comes and with the Word begins to do things in our lives and draw us to Himself and draw us into healthy spiritual ways of living and thinking. God bridges that gap just like that soldier bridged the gap with words. And then notice finally in this passage the good result. Look at verses 12 and 13. When we open our lives up to the Word and the Word falls on us like rain and puts things in motion spiritually in our lives, verse 12 reads, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. What happens when we open up our lives to the Word of God, to the ways of God? God brings about joy and peace and celebration. It makes a name for Yahweh. Now, what does he mean by that? It makes God's renown sing out across the land and makes a name for Yahweh. When I was in Israel a couple of weeks ago, one of the uh, men who I got to know rather well is pastor of the largest Messianic Jewish congregation in Israel. He's one of the main leaders of that movement of Jews who see Yeshua as their Messiah, as, as the one who fulfilled all of God's promises to Israel. And the thing that was amazing in being with Hanan is Hanan and I, he showed me around Galilee. And it was just natural, natural for him to just be open about his relationship with Yeshua. In fact, we were on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, right where the Jordan River comes into the Sea of Galilee, on the north side. And then the the Sea of Galilee empties into the Jordan River on the south side, and it goes on down to the Dead Sea. But we were up on the north side, right where the Jordan River comes in to the Sea of Galilee. And we stopped for lunch at a little roadside stand the guy had just set up to uh, make pita. And with the pita, they put uh, goat cheese in it with herbs And you just roll them up and you eat them. So we stopped there for lunch. And the only other guy who was there, set up on the side of the road, was a Jewish guy in a blue van who was there selling ice cream and drinks out of his van. 
And it turns out that this guy was from generations of fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. And as we were there, Hanan just naturally opened up and started sharing with this guy. He said with him, you know, I'm a Messianic Jew. He said, what is that? I've never heard of that. He said, well, I'm a follower of Yeshua. He said, who is he? And we gave him a Hebrew copy of the New Testament, shared the gospel with him. And standing there on the Sea of Galilee, I got to share with, the, with a Galilean fisherman the story about the great catch of fish. You remember when Jesus was on the shore and his disciples were coming in and they said, we haven't caught anything? And he says, well, throw the nets on the other side. And he said, Lord, we've been fishing all night. There's nothing out here. You remember that? And we got to share the gospel with this guy. But it was the most natural thing in the world to, to sing the renown, the fame of the Lord and what the Lord had done. It was the most natural thing in the world for Hanan to share with this guy. As God's word begins to bear fruit in us and do things and accomplish, joy comes about. And, and the overflow is we talk about him and the things that God has done in our lives. And we celebrate him in front of other people. And the images that you have here in this passage of the, the juniper instead of the thorn bush, myrtle instead of briars, means that good things come about in our lives. But we have to turn and be responsive and open ourselves up to the Lord as he bridges that gap with the word. Now going back to the story with which I started the message. It was a few weeks later that young Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet. And yet the little village was, in too many ways, too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again. And there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back were words, this compelling invitation. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she did. And the question for you and me this morning as we read Isaiah 55, if we find ourselves drifting spiritually, we find that distance has come into our relationship with God, will we hear these words this morning? Where God calls to us, invites us back into intimacy with himself. Will we hear the words and respond and come home? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your mercy to us. Lord, I thank you for these brothers and sisters who are here. 
Lord, I pray if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, that they would be interested and intrigued by you. And they would seek out someone to tell them what this is all about. But Lord, for those of us who know you, for whom distance has come into our relationship with you, I pray for us, Lord, that we would understand that you call us back to intimacy with yourself by your Spirit through your Word, and that we would open our lives up to that Word, to your Word, in a fresh way. May this new year begin with a fresh commitment to hearing you speak to us through your Word. We ask for this mercy in the name of Jesus. Amen.